Good morning. Welcome to all of you here in the center. Those of you joining us in the point or watching online this morning, my name is uh, Drew Hildenbrand. I serve here at Connection Point in the care ministry. Today we're going to continue our series, Rooted, as you just saw, where we're discussing what it means to be all in here at Connection Point as a part of the church. Uh, There are four core ideas that we're continuing to share in this series, ideas like generosity, spiritual growth, community, and serving. Now today in your chairs, you'll notice that there's a prime, perfect, and easy opportunity for you to participate in one of those four all-in values, the idea of serving. There are bags located on the chairs either next to you or beneath you. And these bags, we just want to encourage you, fill these up and bring them back next week. We're going to have an opportunity to serve so many families by the opportunity you have to care for them in this way. So if you would, just make sure you take those home today. Maybe even share with a few other people what it is that is going on. And maybe they'll come into the next service today. But today we're going to discuss this idea of and the need for spiritual growth. Many of you might already recognize, well, I'm growing in in a lot of ways in my life. Some of us are exercise enthusiasts. Some of us are reading enthusiasts. We're learning more. So growth isn't necessarily a foreign thing. Some of us just like to eat, and so we're growing, and maybe that's a a different direction than I'm going this morning. But it is important uh, to discuss what is feeding us and ultimately leading us. We need to take a few minutes this morning and pay attention to that. The reason is because we're prone to not pay attention to that. Um, Early September, the New York Times uh, published a a blog article, and it was referring to um, the Apple keynote when uh, the new iPhone came out. And so the new iPhone comes out, and uh, this guy in New York opens his laptop, watches the keynote address when Apple unveils all of their new products, and he he wrote a story about it. It's interesting. He basically showed that there's an app that they demonstrated that day, and the app, you take a picture on your new iPhone, and you take a picture of the nighttime sky. And in doing so, you, this, lap, this app will overlay on that image all the demarcations for the constellations, and it'll enhance that view so much so. Now, I don't know, for many of you, I grew up out in the country, away from all of the city lights and things, and so I don't really need my nighttime sky to, to have been enhanced. Where I grew up, it was majestic. You walk outside, and it just paralyzes you. It's beautiful. But what Apple knows, and what everyone in the business world, and even the world around us knows, is that we do all yearn for life to be better. We want to be better. We have all kinds of ways we work that out. Most businesses work that out by showing us, illustrating for us where our lives are short, where they're imperfect, where they're incomplete. But we already know that. That's why we are constantly growing. We are constantly figuring those things out, looking for better ways to do things, even looking for better ways to be as a person. We forget that. We certainly don't let a lot of other people speak into that, but we are looking to our future self. Okay, we, we live under that. Sometimes, I want everybody to close their eyes for a second. Sometimes, I want you to think back to a moment in your life. Go ahead and please close your eyes because I can't make this happen on the screen and I can't produce this for you at home. If you're watching, this has to be you and you alone. Do you remember the moment? Maybe it was a really difficult situation. Maybe it was the behavior of a loved one and maybe it was your own behavior. But do you remember the moment the day that you woke up and recognized, maybe it was a long time ago and maybe it was really recently, but you recognized that you needed change, that you really needed help, 
with your eyes closed, do you remember when you identified that who you were, <clears throat> who you were becoming, was not getting you the life or the relationships or the peace that you thought you should have in your life by now, by that time? Go ahead and open your eyes. Don't forget that moment. Don't forget the aha moment where you woke up and started to want to grow away from the old you and toward whatever that new you you wanted to become. That, that right there is an illustration of growth. But I need to clarify something very quickly before we kind of get going, and that's that not all growth is good growth. Not all change is good change. Bell bottoms. No, wait, are, are you tracking with me? Because there's no way, so not all change is good change, right? That's why bell bottoms was never a good idea. There's no way that pants, that start as pants and slowly become a dress is a good idea. <laughs> there's no sense in that. And, and, and kind of to illustrate that not all growth is good growth, there's a reason that men who wear skinny jeans in their 20s won't be in their 40s. <laughs> Those of you that didn't catch that, give it a minute. It'll land. <laughs> If not all growth is good growth, then you do need to ask the question, how am I growing? Who are we becoming? Because it matters. What kinds of changes we pursue, and we don't pay attention to this, even right now, sitting in the center, sitting in the point, watching online, you're prone to start to disconnect and not take these moments as seriously. But paying attention to what we are pursuing in life, watching how we grow, is critical to who we become and how it shapes the lives around us. The idea of good and desired growth may have started the moment you looked to God for help for the first time. It might have been when you entered the waters of baptism and began to pursue dying to the old life and hopefully rising to a new one in Jesus. And maybe for some of you it's just exploring church and trying to figure out is this for me? Is God really a good thing? And do I need to sit under him and learn from him? Or do I need to, right? You're wrestling through trying to figure out, paying attention to how you are growing, to what is feeding you, is critical. Our culture is really loud. It doesn't mean everything in culture is bad. Some of it mimics and celebrates Christ, but not all of it does, and you know that. So how do you know what is good? And how do you know what is lacking? The future you that you have been trying to become still lingers over you. Sometimes it feels like dissatisfaction. Sometimes it feels like failure even. I'm trying to figure out, like, spiritually speaking, but just in general, like, who am I becoming? I say all of this to show you that growth matters. Spiritual growth is critical, whether we treat it as so or not. It will accomplish its purposes, whether they are good purposes or bad. So us alerting ourselves this morning is both wise and necessary. It's not that you need to wait until you are a spiritually mature Christian to start living the Christian life. That's not true. When I was a fourth grade basketball player, I didn't need to wait until I was a mature basketball player to start trying to shoot free throws. I just need to be a growing basketball player. If I stay at the fourth grade level as a 29-year-old or a 39-year-old as I am now, um, that never feels good. Um, in those moments, now I've got a problem, right? There's a reason that 
being really old and playing at a fourth grade basketball level may not get me a paycheck playing basketball. In the same way, I might be confused if I'm living a Christian life, but I'm not actually walking toward Christ much. I'm not actually growing or practicing or maturing. The all-in Christian life is about pursuing Jesus. It's about becoming all that he saved us to and for. So if you have a Bible, and I hope that you do, I want you to open it to Colossians right at the end of chapter 1. We're going to spend a period of time in that text this morning. That's kind of our core text for this morning's message. Colossians chapter 1 and 2, we're going to kind of be in that sweet spot. If you don't have a Bible, would you please, before you leave today, just stop out here by Connection Corner. Visit one of those folks in the blue shirts. They'd be happy to not only provide a Bible for you free of charge, but also answer any questions you have about this journey you're on. Try to figure out what next steps look like for you. Spiritual maturity, spiritual growth is not something we're talking about today. It's something Christians have been talking about since Christ taught us we needed to. Colossians chapter 1, the apostle Paul began to encourage and exhort that church nearly 2,000 years ago with these same truths. In chapter 1, verse 28, Paul said these things. He said, he, referring to Jesus, he is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching who? Everyone with all wisdom. Why? So that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. He goes on, to this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Fully mature. We have a destination, a desired destination in our lives. So as we take a look at spiritual growth, we're going to confront a couple of emotions this morning and also a couple of perhaps long-held beliefs about spiritual growth, things that maybe you've been taught, maybe you've learned over time or believed very strongly over time, and maybe some of those are about to get confronted. Just stay with me till the end. There, there's some relief in this, but also some clarification that's needed. So there's four topics. Whether you've been in church for years or this is kind of your first real experience in church, I want to encourage you, there's something for you this morning. There's a word God has for you that will both encourage you and empower you as you leave this place today. There are four ideas we're going to walk through, four principles I'm going to talk us through this morning. The first is what spiritual growth is not. We need to clarify that. We also need to clarify what spiritual growth is. Now, the Bible has a lot to say. I'm not going to give us everything there is to say about spiritual growth this morning. I'm just going to hit some high points, but there are many more to share. So the first two ideas are what it is not and what it is. And the last two ideas are what keeps us from it, because you should know what gets in your way, and also what leads us to it you should know what paves the way. So starting with the first idea, we're going to look at what spiritual growth is not. On your outlines, you'll be able to fill in this first point that spiritual growth is not performance for status with God. It is not performance for status with God. Jesus finishing what we have as the Sermon on the Mount in, in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5 through 7, this wonderful text. At the very end of it, Jesus illustrates talking to some religious folks who are yearning to figure him out and learn what to do in light of that. Jesus shared this. He said, many will say to me on that day, he's referring to the day that all of us are going to face God. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, 
Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, did we not drive out demons? And in your name, did we not perform many miracles? Now, I want to just stop for a second here. This text, these folks are saying this because they're confused. They thought, and Jesus is going to illustrate this in a second, they thought that all of this stuff that they did, the things that they accomplished, earned their way into God's presence in heaven. They believed that if I just do enough good things, if I'm a good enough person, if I do all these amazing things, that God will like me and I'll go to heaven when I die. That's kind of the the base root of this text. And then Jesus corrects that idea And this is some sharp language, but I just need you to know, this isn't me, this is him. And so if he's talking to any of you, these are some of those possible long-held beliefs that we hang on to. Let him talk to your heart this morning. Because in verse 23, he says, Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Our performance does not earn our relationship, or our favor with God. Spiritual growth is not primarily concerned with what we do. It is concerned with why we do what we do. It is not concerned with what, but why. Our relationship, your relationship with God is not based on your merit, your earnings, or your performance. Our relationship with God is based on his kindness, his mercy, his grace. It allows us the privilege of knowing him and receiving the faith he offers. You see, you cannot make God love you or like you because he's already chosen to through his son, Jesus Christ. He's already given you free access. You can't earn that. So for those of us who've turned our lives to Jesus already and are trying to let his love transform us, we need to be reminded that our performance and our deeds do not draw him closer to us. So listen to this. Please stop trying to please God by choosing to do the right thing. Instead, understand that because God is already pleased with you, You are free to do amazing things for joy. You are free to love and care for people and sacrifice for people and give to them endlessly because your father, no matter how good or bad you're doing that day, loves you, has loved you, and will continue to be there for you. And the scriptures are filled with illustrations of his endless kindness and grace. So trust him, listen to him, learn from him, lean on him. Because God is not interested in you accumulating a stack of accomplishments so that he'll like you. Spiritual growth is not performance for status with God. Your status is secure in Christ Jesus. So walk in it. The second thing spiritual growth is not is it is not knowledge alone. Spiritual growth is not knowledge alone. Dr. Howard Hendricks wrote in a book on Bible study the following statement about spiritual growth. He wrote, In the spiritual realm, the opposite of ignorance is not knowledge, it's obedience. In the spiritual realm, the opposite of ignorance is not knowledge, it's obedience. It's not how much you know, but instead it's how much you use of what you know. If what you know doesn't change what you do, 
that what you know is of no use to you. Rephrase that maybe a little bit better. If what you know doesn't change what you want to do, then what you know is of no use to you. All that knowledge, if it doesn't transform your heart, if it doesn't change this, if it doesn't make you love differently, care differently, and, and all of us are to be walking in this, but if what you know doesn't change how you love people and listen to people and care for them, then what you know about God is not actually helping you. It isn't to win Bible trivia, although those are okay things. It isn't so that you can be an intelligent person. Those are good things. But knowledge, again, is not your end goal. Transformation is. Knowledge is essential. And information is critical. But it's not sufficient. We are not, by gaining more knowledge, more spiritually mature by default. We need it. But it's not where life terminates. Matthew chapter 11, Jesus is trying to ease his followers' anxiety. And this next text is so significant. I want to, if you highlight things in your Bible, make sure this one is. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus told his followers, he said, come to me. I want to stop right there. I don't know, you watching at home on your laptop or you in the point here in the center, I don't know what you personally, individually believe about God. But let me encourage you right here that whatever it is you think you know, it needs to line up with these first three words. Because our God, our living God, is an inviting one, not an oppressing one. This is Jesus saying to people, come to me. And then he illustrates the kinds of people who might be invited to do so. All you who are weary and burdened. Raise your hands in this audience if any of you have ever fit that blank. So the creator of the universe sends his son in the flesh to create this moment for all of us to hear. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. And he says what? I will give you what? Rest. Does that sound good? Yes. Can you say that like you actually mean that? Aren't you tired all the time? How much does soul rest really matter? I will make sure I am gentle and humble. I want you to see this. Take my yoke upon you and learn what? From me. I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Notice Jesus does not say, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. Take my yoke upon you and learn about me. He says, learn from me. Learn from me, and I will give you rest. Are you learning from Jesus, or are you learning from the world? Two things spiritual growth is not. It is not performance for status with God, and it is not knowledge alone. So then what is it? What spiritual growth is? Spiritual growth is about being rightly rooted Spiritual growth is about being rightly rooted. Colossians chapter 2, just a few verses down, starting in verse 6. The Apostle Paul, encouraging further still, wrote, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. The first thing we want to draw out is the Apostle Paul's statement that as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him also. Keep going as you started. 
You started by turning your life to Jesus. That wasn't a one-time moment. That's an every day as you wake up, as you breathe, as you live, you turn to him. What does he say? What does he invite? Being rightly rooted is about rooting your life in the things he wants, the things he loves, the things he encourages. Jesus is your king. He not only loved you historically a long time ago, he likes you now. And that liking is to lead, to care for, to comfort, and to nourish. So Paul wants us to continually turn to Jesus and not turn to other things, not turn to other ideas. Think back to when the gospel stopped offending you so much. You remember those moments when the name of Jesus used to just bug you? And then all of a sudden it turned and it started to relieve you? Do you remember when the ideas of Christianity and Jesus, the pleasure of the Holy Spirit and the love of God the Father, do you remember when those ideas stopped being so foreign and frustrating and started to be very liberating? That's what it means to turn to him, to receive him, to believe him, to be rooted in him. The Apostle Paul is ushering in that as you first got it, keep getting it. When you first fell in love with God, stay there. The second statement Paul makes is to be built up in him. Spiritual growth is about being rightly built up. Where we are rooted matters and where we are being built up matters. What we are growing into is important for us to see. So where are you headed in life? How many of you have prayed, God, I want to know what your will is for my life? Common prayer, right? Lots of folks in different ways want to know what God wants for our lives. What is God wanting us to know about ourselves? Where is he taking us? Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Huge text as well. Go ahead and just highlight every Bible verse I tell you because they're all good. But this is just good for us to sit in because we forget this sometimes about where God's taking us in life. Romans chapter 8, verse 29, he says, For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become what? Like his son. So that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Where's God taking you? Where's this Christian journey taking you? Where's God inviting you? About two months ago, a popular Bible teacher by the name of Beth Moore threw out on her Twitter account the following statement. God's overarching agenda for believers is this, change. To continually develop in Christ-likeness. To increasingly see, to increasingly love, and increasingly respond just as Jesus did. So spiritual growth is really about allowing our lives to be fed by Jesus and to be led to become like Jesus. Then what is it that keeps us from it? If we know where we're supposed to get to, if we know that the daily things I care about and the emotional attachment I have to things should ultimately be shaped and framed by Jesus, not the world, not culture, but him alone, then what is it exactly that is keeping that from happening in your life? What keeps us from spiritual growth is, is us. We actually are in our own way. We believe things that aren't true about life and people. We believe things about good and evil that aren't from God. We believe things because our deceived hearts keep us from spiritual growth. Our deceived hearts keep us from spiritual growth. 
There are two types of people I'm going to introduce you to here. Jeremiah chapter 17. Four very quick verses of scripture here illustrating two types of people. Those who are deceived and those who are not. Jeremiah 17, he said this. This is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in the barren wilderness in an uninhabited, salty land. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Two types of people. Those who root themselves in God and trust him for whatever he leads them to and those that trust themselves, those that trust their own ideas, trust the world around them, other people. And the next verse, verse nine, illustrates this. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Now, you may not agree with that statement, but in reality, if you got a chance to look at the entire schedule of all the emotional moments you've had, where your inner being wanted to do something, I'd be willing to bet you had some moments that weren't so God-honoring and weren't so pleasing to other people. You probably had some lingering selfish moments where you were very much wanting to please your flesh, to do what you want to do, even if it harms or hurts other people. You may not have acted on it, but our hearts aren't quite set right. And what God wants to do is change that, help that, soften that, so that we do trust that even if things aren't going well, this text illustrates this, there are some people that are stuck in this no-hope land. And other people, whether heat comes or seasons of long drought, they're going to be fine because they know where they're planted and they know they will bear fruit when needed. God's got this. Even if things don't look like or feel like they're okay, Trust in the Lord will lead to a future of prospering, of hope. I had a student a few years ago in a, in a youth environment. Um, I just taught on this text, and they came up to me a little while later. I dismissed some of the time. You know, there's a, a block in there, and they came up to me, and, and they said, hey, I've got this plan. I want to do these things and so on. I was like, you know, I think you're going to be all right. Just, just trust your heart. And they looked at me, and they are <clears throat> didn't you just tell me that my heart is deceitful and I shouldn't trust it? Yeah, I may have said that, yeah. So yeah, yeah. what I said earlier, not now, that's, yeah, hang on that. that, that's good. Right, we long to just help people and so even in that moment I wanted to say something kind, we do that, but it wasn't rooted in truth. Even if truth hurt my feelings, it wasn't rooted rightly, was it? This is where our caution sits. Two people in that story, one has hope, one doesn't. Psalm 1 shares the exact same truth. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. This text is showing us to be very careful about where we walk and where we stand and where we sit because it is influencing how you grow. All those voices influence us in some way. There are people very close to you. I was talking to a good friend of mine recently 
um, they were sharing a reality that they have gone to people for advice recently, good people who love God, but he's, and they told him good things, but he's not entirely sure that they actually walked away from his request, prayed about it, and really sought God's counsel on it. They just wanted to encourage him, so they gave him good, encouraging words. It doesn't necessarily mean it's actually absolutely from God. It doesn't mean that which fork you use should be a moment of prayer. But there are moments where you know, you know what? I just need to make sure this is definitely how God wants me to approach this. And maybe that means I need to ask some friends. I need you to not just tell me what you think, but would you please, would you mind praying for me and with me about this? It's kind of important. I want to make sure... I want to make sure it reflects him and it's honoring to him. I want to make sure it says love and not me. But we don't often do that. So if our deceived hearts keep us from spiritual growth, what leads us to it? What leads us to spiritual growth? Spiritual growth is born out of spiritual moments. And you can have these here right now, at home, online. You can have them in the point. It doesn't matter where you are. Spiritual growth is born out of spiritual moments. There are three moments I want to help you capture daily. The first is daily encounter with God in prayer. Daily encounter with God in prayer. Notice I did not say daily prayer. Sometimes we say words with good intentions, but I'm encouraging you to daily encounter him in prayer. Sit long enough that you miss him whenever you get up. Sit long enough with him that you really do sense you met with him, he heard you, maybe even encouraged you in some way, spoke to your inner being, your heart somehow. Daily encounter with him leads to spiritual growth. Daily encounter in prayer. Jesus, if he is our example, if we're being molded into Christ's likeness, then it would make sense to kind of look at some of the things Jesus did. And in Luke chapter 5, verse 16, uh, Jesus has surrounded lots of folks, guys. I mean, thousands of people. He's just been kind of ministering in this really high-impact, crazy moment. And then it says this. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Another translation says, slipped away to the wilderness. What do you and I slip away to? Facebook? Cell phones? entertainment, daydreaming. I don't know what those are for you, but I know that Jesus, when he had a chance to slip away from the crowd and the hubbub of life and the busyness, he went to go be with his father for a few minutes because he knew where he needed to stay plugged in and connected. What do you and I slip away to? Captivating those ideas today before you leave here, recognizing, man, where do I slip away? When do I just kind of get into a thing where I start to drift off. And how can I start to do that and talk to him? How can I mold that and shape that? The second idea is daily enlightening from God's word. Daily enlightening from God's word. Psalm 1 goes on, starting in verse 1 through verse 3. It says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law when? Day and night. 
That person, you're getting ready to see a familiar theme here, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Daily enlightening from God's word. There are a lot of things that enlighten us. Do you spend time with him? Do you actually let him shape how you think, how you see the world, how you see the decisions you have to make? Scriptures are unbelievably helpful. His presence is constant throughout. The final one is daily encouragement with God's people. Daily encouragement with God's people. This might be frustrating for you because you may have had some encounters with people that weren't as pleasant as this. I want to encourage you to press into this more. There's a key getting ready to unlock some really amazing moments for you. If you can pursue daily encouragement with God's people. Hebrews chapter 3. But encourage one another how often? Daily. As long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So a spiritual growth matters, and it comes from spiritual moments. Then daily encouragement with believers is something that if you're not letting happen, you are missing some things that are incredibly helpful for you, so that when things are difficult, you are surrounded by people. And even if you aren't walking well, You have people who like you and love you enough and are close enough to you to, you're not walking well. Hey, remember the other day when you said this? Can can we talk about that? I don't don't know if that's what you really want to keep walking in. Can we get coffee and talk this out a little bit? When you have people who are close enough to you to know when you're walking well and not, you have no idea how God is transforming your life. Those deep friendships, are you kidding me? literally will change not only your future, but your kid's future and your friend's future. You have no idea the kinds of things God's leading you to when you let people get close enough to know when you're being hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Those three ideas are your breakthrough. Daily encounter with God in prayer, daily enlightening with God's word, and daily encouragement with God's people. Don't miss what he's inviting you to. Spiritual growth starts in any of those three areas and all of those areas. And it not only starts, it stays in them. It's like constant fuel for where you're going in life. Daily is the hinge word you should hang on. But I want to encourage you. I don't want to leave you with just these things. I want, to, I want you to know something else that's true. If you've already surrendered your life to Jesus, this is kind of a helpful thing. You're not here this morning by accident. And I know you hear that from time to time and it it kind of wears off, right? But what if I gave you some scripture that helped advance that idea a little bit? Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. The apostle Paul, wanting to encourage a church that he loved, told them this. I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Church, If he's in you, he's working in you, and he will bring it to completion. This morning is just a part in that amazing story that you are walking toward. So my encouragement this morning is that you walk in these things to keep validating what he's doing in your life so you can see it, so you can sense it, and show others. Because if you're the point that they see and not him in you, 
you're all nice people, I think. <clears throat> but I don't know that the world needs more of you. <clears throat> but Christ in you? Man, I, th I think if you and I sat down and just one-on-one -on -one were able to talk, I think you and I would agree very quickly that the world seems to be in need of a little more of Jesus' compassion. Amen? Amen? I think if you and I sat down and talked for a couple of minutes, we'd probably come to an agreement that the world needs a little bit more of Jesus' forgiveness. Yes? yes? And his grace? And his mercy? I don't, I don't think the list is short. It needs him. And if he is in you, then I think you know where you're headed. He is working in you and will bring it to completion. So pray, study him, and let other people study you to know when you're not doing well. And to encourage you, not challenge you and point out your shortcomings. The word said encourage you. Let people in. Let them encourage you. That's what that cross gave us. That's what that moment 2,000 years ago that changed all of history was about. Redeeming our lives. Not just here, but forever, for all of eternity. Releasing us from the power of sin. Releasing us from the sting of death. We're free. So spiritual growth is about you becoming what God's bringing to you. Walk in it. Rooted and built up. As we take communion together in a moment, I just want you to have these two things in your hand, this bread and this fruit of the vine. And in that moment, I want you to think back. What crazy thing was God doing that day? To not only heal our hearts 2,000 years later with this amazing spiritual power, to cause us to love and self-sacrifice in ways that do not make sense to the world, but are always blessed. As you hold those things, would you please allow yourself to have a moment of sincere gratitude for what God has done, is doing, and will be doing in you. And pray that he multiplies that in the lives of those you care for. Whether you're at home watching right now, online, in the point or here in the center, if he is in you, take him to the people you love. Let's pray. Father, Lord God, I thank you for everyone here this morning, for the power of your scriptures, the love of your son, and the grace and presence of your Holy Spirit. Father, we ask that as we prepare our hearts for this communion, God, we would be reminded of how much you've given, how much you've sacrificed. You who did not even spare your own son so that we might be made right with you. Father, we thank you. Grow us from this place today. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen.